what do you want to da da da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da da da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Hmm, yesterday. All the dolls feel like the same doll these dolls. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. Oh no, I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh no! No! These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not to da or any da. Quote to da at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hey folks, welcome to Pitch the Podium and this week it's time for the Formula 1 Pirelli Grand Premio della Toscana Ferrari 1000 2020. What's the name you ask? Everything. Welcome folks to Pitch the Podium for the 2020 Tuscan Grand Prix preview. It's the first Tuscan Grand Prix in history and it also marks the 1000th Grand Prix in the history of Ferrari. To discuss what could be the multiple opportunities and challenges and threats for all the teams in this weekend, I've got Kunal Shah here with me as always. And Kunal, what a weekend this promises to be. Mugello, stunning circuit and Mercedes could perhaps be back at their best, but the battle in the midfield is something that really excites me quite a bit. Along with the fact that, of course, Ferrari celebrates a historic landmark. They do, but you know, I actually missed the official name of the race. Are you able to repeat it uh, for me? Sure. <laughs> uh, the Formula One Pirelli Grand Premio della Toscana Ferrari 1020. When you go back, when you go back to your friends 20 years down the line and say, hey, which was the favorite race you watched? It was the Formula One Pirelli Grand Premio della Toscana Ferrari 1020. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's I, that sort of a name. I I have to ask: Have you memorized it, or have you written it down? Because it's it's pretty crucial. <laughs> you you caught me right there. I had to write it down. It's it's as tough to memorize as my A level notes, but hey, that, that's what it is. Again. <laughs> you know, when it comes to Formula One and when it comes to Ferrari, especially the two of them, it's not always as straightforward or simple. It has Absolutely. to go all around and finally reach a point where we all know they would have reached, but. I'm glad we're calling it the Tuscan Grand Prix. I'm glad we're calling it the race at Mugello. Yeah. Uh, pretty exciting uh, start to the weekend already. Big news coming in. Sebastian Vettel moving to Aston Martin Formula One team in 2021. I loved the fact that they made this announcement at Ferrari's 1000th <laughs> Grand Prix. As somebody who loves marketing and everything that goes with it, this is perfect guerrilla marketing example that one could get. He's just put one up on Ferrari. Coming into this weekend, all the way through Wednesday, because I think by Monday, Tuesday, everyone was still recovering from the tremor of Pierre Gasly's win. But then Wednesday, everyone was thinking, oh, you know what, Ferrari 1000 Grand Prix, this is going to be huge. Thursday morning, Vettel announces he's leaving and suddenly nobody cares about the fact that it's Ferrari's 1000 Grand Prix. That's how you do it, Sebastian. That's the way to go up ahead. and i'm i'm actually wondering if you know ferrari are pretty glad that sebastian has stolen their thunder <laughs> and limelight you know given their dismal performances this season oh, yeah. and what could be you know at their 1000th grand prix uh, I, i mean it's it's uh, it's probably good that fettel sort of you know been like hey bye guys i'm going to aston martin and ferrari would be like thanks so much for you know saving us uh, that that much extra attention that comes for this special weekend exactly and just when you think your future is going to be a bit rough 
Think about what it must feel like to be Carlos Sainz at this stage. <laughs> we'll speak about that and the whole thing in depth much later on. But Kunal, the first thing we have to get down into is the track. Because for lots of casual Formula 1 fans, and I know quite a few of you are watching, it's totally fine. I mean, we agree that Formula 1 is the biggest and the most significant racing series in the world. They may not be very aware of Mugello because, of course, this circuit has never in history hosted a Formula 1 Grand Prix. But in fact, it's only an hour and 40 minutes away from Maranello. It's very close in the hearts of all the Tifosi. But primarily, it's been a circuit that has been synonymous with MotoGP over the years. And more so with sports car racing as well, with Ferrari hosting their Corsa Clienti programs and lots of GT3 and GT4 races happening over here. So for, for the average Joe, for the average Formula 1 fan who doesn't know much about the circuit, what is it all about? What are the main challenges that one can expect at Mugello? Well, the, the first thing is it's a Ferrari-owned circuit. So Ferrari are, are owning, are owners of the circuit. I'm pretty sure they are promoting the race as well, given it's a thousandth Grand Prix and they are participating. So I guess this is probably the first time in history that there is one single team playing three such strong roles when it comes to the organization and management and participation in the race. But coming to the circuit in itself, you know, there are lots of uh, memorable courts out there, uh, especially ones, uh, you know, from, say, uh, Mark Weber, who said, you know, I think 10 laps around Mugello is definitely better than 1,000 laps around Abu Dhabi or something of that. Yeah. And, you know, from from what we all know, why all the other, you know, categories that go racing, uh, it's, uh, you know, like you and I discussed, it's 14 corners. Uh, you know, 5.4 kilometers long. Uh, there's a almost 1.2 kilometer long straight, which is the only DRS zone. But most importantly, uh, there are two points to keep in mind here. So the circuit is otherwise made up of medium to high speed corners. Okay. And in terms of referencing for the F1 teams, it's very similar to what you would expect in terms of uh, a setup uh, that you would follow for, say, a Silverstone. Absolutely. It's a jaw-dropping circuit. I mean, if you haven't driven it on the sim or any PC game yet, go get a set of Corsa right away. I mean, you can just drive on Mugello as much as you want. And it's a lovely circuit. You've got so many superb corners, fast speed, slow speed corners as well. Just the flow of the track is something amazing. But sadly, Formula 1 isn't exactly all about the flow because had it been that way, we would have been going to a lot more classic continental European or maybe American circuits. But the racing is also one thing that we must keep in mind. Now, there, there are quite a few fantastic circuits to drive on. They don't really produce the best of races. Is Mugello going to be a bit of the same? Is the main question on offer? And sadly, from the looks of things, it may just be that way. Yes, it seems like that's what people are predicting for it to be. It may just be that way. There's a narrow line through pretty much all the corners that go. Although the, the only hope that people have is that the, the 1.2 kilometer long DRS enabled straight might actually just offer chance for overtaking into turn one. But that's pretty much the only overtaking spot that yeah. people are talking about. But the other thing, Samuel, which is probably the second thing that, you know, people should look forward to uh, for the upcoming Grand Prix are the Pirelli tires. Yeah. So understandably, 
Pirelli have brought the hardest compound tires, uh, you know, that uh, they have uh, to uh, to the race. Okay, uh, these are also the compound of tires that were used in the first race at Silverstone when you know Lewis Hamilton finished, uh, you know, on three wheels, uh, as we all remember. So it is expected that tire management will be key. The tire pressures will be as high. You know, tire the circuit temperatures will be you know expectedly be higher as well. So it it waits to be seen how you know tire degradation is uh, is going to impact uh, proceedings on uh, Sunday. Yeah, thirty one degrees Celsius is the forecast temperature in Mugello for Sunday. So who knows? Perhaps the heat can come into perspective, and we may see more things like blisters. But it is definitely going to be a circuit where you can see the death of front left tires because this track. There are no straights. I mean, when you're done with the corner, slap, bang, all the way to the next one. Bang, the next, and then the next, and then the next. You just keep on going from one corner to the other, then to the other, then to the other. So your tires barely have any time to cool down, barely have any mercy. And even traffic could become a bit of a problem because it may not be the most narrow circuit in the world, but still, in certain places, it can get really tight. So this should be one thing to watch out for. But Kunal, before we go to the next topic of discussing more about Ferrari, how do teams map something like this up? I mean, you, when we come to Mugello, I mean, this circuit wasn't announced six to eight months ago. So teams haven't really had the time to send their people in, analyze the bumps, analyze the crests and everything, know where the track is and just figure out the more important points. So how do you prepare for a circuit like this one on such a short notice? Especially because you haven't really been here ever in your entire history. Yeah, you know, so that's a good uh, question you asked. And I co-wrote an uh, article a couple of days ago with a former Formula One engineer. Okay. And the question that we, you know, sort of addressed is, is Mugello really a new circuit or an old circuit or a returning circuit, as we call it? For most of the Formula One teams, and and the answer somewhere lies in the middle. Uh, it is sort of a returning circuit, because like you you know mentioned uh, before, uh, you know Formula One teams have tested here, uh, you know before. I think it was 2012, and like we were laughing, the Roman Grosjean was quickest <laughs> at, at that time. So teams would have had data from the past uh, that they would have you know used excessively uh, in in simulation to make sure that when they arrive and when they sort of drive their first laps uh, in free practice, they already have a very strong baseline set up uh, for the car. And, you know, uh, when, when I say baseline setup, it would mean from the powertrain perspective, from the suspension perspective, from the aerodynamics perspective, and, and so on. Absolutely. That should be one thing to watch out for. And when we say always back up your data, it always comes in handy because who knew eight years down the line, Formula One would actually come to Mugello. Yeah, different cars, different drivers, perhaps different people working on the team as well. But when you just go back on your hard drive and figure out, oh, hey, this data still exists, <laughs> can be a major advantage in this case, can't it? Yes, but I'm, I'm actually looking forward to the Arabiata 1 and Arabiata oh. 2. You know, up until now, we've all loved the Arabiata, or at least I have loved the Arabiata as as uh, in my pasta. Okay, <laughs> and suddenly there's a new reason altogether to to love the Arabiata. Uh, you know, word. Uh, uh, you know, in our lives, it's it's known to be really quick corners, and yeah. pretty much all the drivers have been reading all the pre-race press releases. And, you know, 80% of the press releases mention that drivers are looking forward to taking these corners pretty much flat out. I mean, I don't blame them. Uh, Mugello would never have seen cars as fast in its history. So expect a lot of track records to be shattered. 
and some really fun onboards. That's going to be the whole case. And hey, plus point, there's no runoff and all that other nonsense. It is a classic old school sports car circuit. You go wide, into the gravel or in the grass. End of story. That's what I love. Then we can also move on to the talk of the town for this week and Ferrari. So we, we've been speaking about this for quite a while off late, about why all the home races that Ferrari have this season could end up being dismal. Now, they were, sh- they were saved from the shame at Monza because they had a double retirement. Of course, had they been on the track, they would have been lapped, devoured by the others. I mean, who knew? And that was if the race was appropriate because had it not been for Charles Leclerc's crash, we wouldn't have seen the red flag and so on and so forth. Lots of variables to consider. But at Mugello Canal, things don't seem, things seem to be as dark as the new livery for this weekend, it seems. <laughs> yes, you know, one doesn't know what the form factor is going to be. Uh, but it's easy to sort of say that Ferrari will struggle given their circuit characteristics. Uh, but, you know, I think the Thousand Grand Prix will eventually be remembered for all the emotion and the legacy that represents Ferrari. Okay. Yeah. Uh, as much as, you know, we, we've all been making fun of them uh, for all these years for not being able to win more races and championships than they actually have, you know, given their whole setup and given how much they invest in the team and so on. I think, you know, as Formula One fans, we need to sort of step back and yeah. separate the performance from uh, from the history for, for once, at least, and appreciate that there is this one team that's been a part of pretty much every Formula One Grand Prix that's be, ever been raced upon, uh, you know, in, in these 70 years of, of the sport. And in fact, even pre-World War uh, exactly. era of racing as well. That, that was a brilliant time. Um, I, I certainly wasn't alive, neither were any of us. But if you just get to read about those races, superb stuff. Amazing times about how Enzo Ferrari just constructed this team from the very ashes. I mean, just from being a regular driver for yet another mechanical outfit, the way he transformed this into Scuderia Ferrari, then the partnership with Alfa Romeo, and then restructuring the team himself. Amazing story. You have to go and read about that. But yeah, it's a bit of a sad place to celebrate a thousand GP as well because normally Ferrari are known to be the engine team who believe a lot in the engine power unit has been dismal this year so has been the chassis so it could end up being a very tricky race for them just to put it that way not not exactly the most uh, the most memorable of milestones let's call it that way but hey Ferrari aside there are lots of other teams that we must keep our eyes on as well and the next thing all that we have to come down to and this is going to be the fun one Mercedes they're not going to be showing any respite at all. Yes, the only place where they showed a little bit of respite was when they painted the safety cars red to honor Ferrari. Yes. But but on, on the track, nothing of that sort is going to be shown. Hamilton will be as, as ruthless as ever. Yes, he will. And, you know, had it not been for the weird race that we had last weekend in Monza... Hamilton could have been gunning for his 91st yeah. win at, uh, you know, Ferrari's 1000th Grand Prix. So, would have been a bittersweet moment twice as over because, you know, of the Fettel announcement as well. But that actually reminds me, I owe a clarification to all our viewers and listeners. I sort of called Pierre Gasly's uh, uh, strategy a little wrong, uh, you know, in last weekend's uh, video. So, just pardon me for that. Uh, but, uh, you know, coming back to this, you know, uh, Mercedes would be desperate to try and prove a point here because of their obvious rivalry that's there. You know, that the fact is that they would be like, hey, we scored a 1-2 at Ferrari's 1,000th race. Yeah. And the, the embarrassment would be a little bit higher if Ferrari's failed to score points because 
let's remember it's been two races when Ferrari have actually not yeah. scored points. So at Spa, they were off the pace, you know, and they didn't score points. And then, like you said, there was a double retirement at, at uh, uh, you know, Monza. And if Mercedes do get a one-two, okay, I think there will be a formation finish or a formation <laughs> lap that will be there, uh, you know, just to honor their rivalry with Ferrari after the race. Stick it in, you Italian folks. That's what they'll be saying. In, but yeah, it's going to be amazing. What would be even saltier is seeing Ferrari lapped. But let's hope that that sort of thing never happens. I mean, it depends on what, what side of the grand scheme of things are you on. But that, that is genuinely a real possibility. But very briefly, Kunal, when we always speak about Mercedes, we speak about their dominance. We speak about how they are not the favourites, as Toto would like to call them. But... On on the whole, the main thing to look out for in Mercedes in this case has to be that battle between Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton. Are we still seeing a battle of sorts? Because Bottas just is fading off. He had he had the biggest opportunity to get something for himself last week and just sadly slipped away from his hands. It did. And, you know, I mean, honestly, till it's mathematically not over, it's not uh, done yeah. yet. So... Valtteri will hope for the best. And, you know, all you need is one stroke of luck. Uh, in his case, you know, Lewis entering the pit lane when it was closed last weekend was that one stroke of luck. But he, of course, you know, couldn't capitalize on it and, and so on. But I think he's definitely going to just make sure that he gets a good start. He doesn't need a great start always. He needs a good start. Yeah. He needs to make sure that his opening lap is decent enough. And then, uh, you know, like he's been doing, so he needs to make sure that he's as close to... Uh, Lewis Hamilton in qualifying as he can be. If he's, you know, able to get ahead, then nothing like it. And I think just in the build-up to uh, this Grand Prix weekend, he, you know, acknowledged that he probably needs to find more gains to to try and outpace Lewis Hamilton. So, yeah. again, a fantastic battle up front. You know, we only see uh, Valtteri on the, on the losing side. But, you know, he's he's not been losing, you know, by more than a couple. He's not even losing by a couple of tenths. It's a couple of hundreds. That's, you know, that's that's the difference between the two drivers. So, Mercedes drivers are definitely evenly matched. Exactly. But when it comes to the race, I think it's just that first lap where Bottas has been a tad bit apprehensive in this season. And if that sort of thing can go away, again, very easy to say, very hard to do in real life. I think that has been the missing... Missing X factor of sorts, you can call it. the only chink in his armor this season. And yeah, let's see, let's see if Bottas can take the fight to Lewis Hamilton later on I, in Major. I just, I just feel that maybe Bottas knows that he needs to make just so much of the start in the opening yeah. lap yeah. that it's psychologically probably working reverse for him. Okay, so I'm, I'm sure he, you know, he's, he's a, he's a world class athlete himself. Yeah. You know, he's a grand, multiple times Grand Prix winner, Mercedes driver. I'm sure he'll figure a way to sort himself out. But he knows that he needs to get it right more often than not now. Exactly. The stakes are getting ever so higher for Valtteri Bottas. And this is where it comes down to the actual fun. This is where the business end of the championship begins. And for Bottas, the levels have just been elevated a level up. So let's see how that goes out in the end as well. And just because you mentioned the word reverse canal, I'm going to add in a very slight point. Please do not discuss reverse grids for Formula 1, folks. It's a bad idea. We shall discuss that later on. Uh, we actually have discussed that. Click on the top right corner to check the video about our potential experiments that we had in mind for 2020. But please do not do that. Just not for Formula 1. GD3s, it's all right. GD4s, Formula 2, Formula 3. Anything is fine. Not Formula 1. 
Okay, <laughs> now that, that mini rant is kind of done, let's move down a bit lower down the grid because we touched upon this briefly early on about Sebastian Vettel doing a bit of gamesmanship with his old team Ferrari. But the new team that he's joined, Racing Point, soon to be Aston Martin this year, I think they could have a bit of an edge this time out. Yes, you know, they've had a fairly good aero design uh, uh, package. You know, it's been fairly well balanced. And uh, we all know why that's the case. Okay. <laughs> so I think uh, they will they will come out, uh, you know, probably leading the midfield. You know, they will be buoyed by Lance Stroll's podium from last weekend as well. Uh, I expect uh, McLaren to be doing better as well yeah. because such kind of, such kind of circuit sort of, uh, you know, suit them. And they, they've sort of found a car now which does well at most kind of circuits. So that's always, you know, heartening to see. And then uh, there's Renault. And I, I sort of think Renault won't be as good as they were in, yeah. say, uh, Spa and, and Monza. This circuit, they might just end up struggling a wee bit. Exactly. And even though it's got a 1.2 kilometer straight down in the very middle, I think it's still going to be a bit tricky because all those quick rapid-fire corners that you have, they need that extra bit of downforce that Renault sadly do seem to be lacking. But Kunal, uh, Pierre Gasly, nothing. He's been the standard driver of the midfield. What does he have in store this week? I mean, he, he's become the latest Grand Prix winner in the history of Formula 1, so that's a big plus. But uh, are we going to see Alpha Tauri back near the top of the midfield again? Or realistically, they will be somewhere fighting along with the likes of Renault and Ferrari this time out? I have a feeling it's going to be, you know, fighting the likes of Renault and Ferrari and so on. But trust Gasly to use this momentum. And I'm sure everyone who's been listening to pretty much every episode think that, oh, God, that's the one word Kunal keeps referring to. But guys, it is very important uh, in sport. It's very important in life. And you probably experience it in your life as well, that when there is positive forward momentum, things just sort of come to you far easier than they would. And that's probably the phase that Pierre Gasly is in. And uh, I'm pretty excited to see how, you know, how he, he sort of uses this momentum at Mugello. And, uh, you know, uh, talking of Gasly, everyone's, of course, saying that uh, how, how quick uh, or how soon before he sort of gets to, you know, get called into Red Bull mm. Racing. Yeah. I, I have a feeling they'll probably see this season out, you know, and, and then see, decide for 2021 what to do with their drivers. But for now, probably just letting Gasly enjoy uh, the lesser pressure uh, at Alpha Tauri will, will benefit his career and his confidence a little more than suddenly doing a mid-season switch and you know, putting him back in a high-pressure uh, Max Verstappen-favored uh, environment. Absolutely, absolutely. For Pierre Gasly, it's been a run of good results so far. I mean, ever since the season has begun, he's been on fire. But... The reason why you get a good seed is on a couple of performances here and there. You have to solidify that. You have to keep on getting good results. And I think for Red Bull, the logical thing would be to see out the end of the season. See how you can recover from a very good high. Because often what happens is when you win a big result, you often need a slack off initially. So that'll be a big character test for Pierre Gasly as well. To see, does he have that same determination as he had before he won the Grand Prix as well? So yeah, lots of... Interesting things coming up in store, but his sister team, AlphaTauri's sister team, Red Bull, could very well be in the fight for a very high position because normally, you can all, Red Bull are a team that have a chassis designed for high downforce circuits. Case in point, Mexico City, Monaco, these are circuits where Red Bull excel. Now, Mugello may not have the same necessity for high downforce as those tracks, but it still, still ranks fairly high up in the list, doesn't it? Yes, you know, Mugello, like we said earlier, 
needs a fairly well-balanced uh, aero setup, which, you know, Red Bull are pretty good at. We've also seen their car has been a little tricky to handle sometimes. Yeah. But I do expect them to sort of uh, be, you know, ease, be easily, you know, fitting into the slot for the second best team. I think that's definitely coming uh, Red Bull's way. Okay. But, uh, you know, I, you know, the hope always is that Max Verstappen is able to break into the Mercedes uh, positions of one yeah. and two. Uh, pretty much uh, every weekend that that we speak, it's like you know how we expect George Russell to deliver a magical lap in Q1 and suddenly find himself in Q2. Exactly every Saturday of the race. Exactly. Oh, actually, that's that's the last thing that we can touch upon. Uh, Williams, what's in store for them? First Grand Prix. Now, officially, I made this at a last time out. I'm not going to do it again. First Grand Prix under new ownership. Finally, Doriton Capital is well and truly the people managing the team. Claire Williams and the family have stepped back. So it's a, it's a turn of the page for Williams. It's the start of a brand new chapter. And at last, after a difficult couple of rounds at the likes of Spa and Monza, this could be one circuit where they finally get to explore their car a bit more because, of course, high downforce, that's something that suits William, a li- Williams, I beg your pardon, a little bit more than the likes of Mons and Spahn. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, Williams are definitely trying to maximize their, their, uh, their package at pretty much all types of circuits. And, uh, you know, trust George Russell to, you know, make the most of every opportunity that, that you know, sort of comes his way. So I, I would love to see what he's able to pull off in Q1. Like you said, uh, you know, there are new owners, new energy, new, new buzz, new vibrations around the team. So let's see how that sort of drives them up, uh, you know, this weekend. But at the end of the day, I expect them to still be, you know, uh, fighting for last position or trying to get out of the last position. And uh, the other team that may just find themselves there is Alfa Romeo. Yeah. Okay. And here's a fun fact. So Kimi Raikkonen's first ever Formula One test, you know, the one, the most infamous test as we call it, because, you know, he he had barely done 23 races. He was given a super license, you know, a provisional super license and so on. And that first ever test was at Mugello 20 Mm. years ago. So great history for Kimi Raikkonen to sort of come back to as well. And honestly, really hoping he doesn't end up being 20th and last this weekend. And technically, it's also a home race for Alfa Romeo as well because the headquarters in Turin, not too far off from this circuit as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a big weekend for both the Italian teams. Let's see what happens. Mick Schumacher is also going to be right in the heat of the action. He's going to be driving an FP1. But who is he going to drive for, Canal? Well, it's not been revealed yet. The only thing they've sort of, you know, after spreading a rumor, the only thing they've revealed is that he'll drive his father's F2004 as a demonstration. So one doesn't know if, uh, you know, the rumor that was spread was uh, around the F2004 or really actually be in a, in a Haas or an Alfa Romeo or maybe even Ferrari. Who knows? Uh, yeah, if, if they go the full Monte and say, hey, we're going to give you the Ferrari instead of Sebastian Vettel, that's going to be spicy. That's going to be some real spicy stuff coming up your way. But in the end, Kunal, just I think because we've got a little bit of time, we can just go on to this one final question. Uh, not related to the Grand Prix, of course, directly, but it's something that has been surrounding the world of Formula One quite a bit off late. Sergio Perez has been axed. I think there's no no other way of putting it. I think I'm, I'm going to avoid the euphemism. I'm going to avoid all the subtleness and everything. I think he's quite clearly been axed because, of course, which father would take their own son or the Formula One team? 
Is this the right call in the long run? Because we know that Sergio Perez is an astute driver, really loves to get, get his elbows out, far more mature than Lance Stroll. And although Lance Stroll has made major leaps and bounds in terms of his driving, he's no Sergio Perez. Well, you know, uh, I tweeted about this, you know, uh, Racing Point presumably had four drivers to choose from, you know, Sebastian Vettel, Lance Stroll, Nico Hulkenberg, and Sergio Perez. And basis, current form and pace, okay? Picking Fettel and Stroll is like yeah. picking the slowest of the possible pairing options they had. Of course, you can debate it with me. There is no right, <laughs> there's no wrong. I'm just stating, stating an option uh, or an opinion out there. Uh, but, you know, I think Formula One would be poorer if a driver like Sergio Perez mm. doesn't end up getting a seat for 2021. And, you know, he has a massive fan base in Mexico, another market that, you know, Formula One would want to keep uh, in, in, in check. Yeah. So I somewhat expect him to show up at an Alfa Romeo or maybe even a Haas. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, let's remember, Samil, that these teams, there are about eight, uh, there are eight uh, cockpits that are still available. Okay. And, uh, you know, the likes of uh, Haas and Alfa Romeo, uh, both the seats are sort of unannounced. And my understanding is that both these teams would like to select a driver for 2021 hmm. who is also eager to race for them in 2022. Because, you know, during a regulatory change that comes yeah. about in Formula One every five, seven years, you don't want to be stuck with a new driver, uh, you know, that, that doesn't help you with the continuity that one needs yeah. uh, over the period of change. No, absolutely. And even if it was Alfa Romeo, I think I wouldn't mind as a driver because initially for 2021, yeah, you may be having a bit of a tricky year because, of course, the chassis isn't exactly the best in the world. But if there's one thing, if there's one team rather who would you can take a bet on, it has to be Sauber. They, they're just very admirable. I mean, they can deliver in such circumstances. We know they have the prowess. We know they have the financial backing as well. And with the cost cap coming in as well, it all just plays into the hands of a team like Sabo, who's been and done everything for so many years, just not able to taste success quite like all the other teams have. So who knows? That's maybe not a bad place to be in in the long run. Yeah, and you know, Sergio Perez has raced for Sauber before, yeah. okay? Yeah. So there's always a reunion possible out there. But you know, in all these moving pieces, one doesn't know if Nico Hulkenberg suddenly misses out on a drive even more so. Because you know, after his... After his comeback races uh, at Silverstone with uh, Racing Point, everyone yeah. was pretty impressed and said, wow, look at it. You know, look at him. He's been out of the sport for so many races and he comes back and sort of almost matches or even out-qualifies, outpaces uh, Lance Stroll, right? But come to think of it, if Nico Hulkenberg was eyeing that uh, seat at Alfa Romeo as well, now with Sergio Perez's availability, I think Perez just gets uh, gets a bit of an yeah. edge over, you know, Nico on on the fact that he's probably had more podiums, definitely <laughs> brings in more money and is, you know, perception-wise, just a, a far more mature, more dependable driver than, say, a Nico, Nico has been. But uh, that actually then means that, uh, uh, you know, at Alfa Romeo in 2021, we could see two completely new drivers, right? So uh, yeah. it could be a Mick Schumacher partnering a, a, a Sergio Perez. Who knows? Or maybe even a Callum Eilert. Or even Guan Yu Show. Who knows how things could play out? But that's all in the future, folks. That's all. That's all to come. I think six to eight months down the line. But what is immediately going to happen within the next forty-eight hours is going to be what I hope for: a very good 
Formula One Pirelli Grand Premio de la Toscana Ferrari 1000 2020. I just had to say it one more time. <laughs> Excuse me for that. But folks, on the whole, if you've reached so far, I'm pretty sure you've enjoyed this video quite a bit. Do feel free to leave a like, to share this video with your friends and Formula One enthusiasts. Oh, I mean, we know you're connected to quite a few of them. And also to subscribe to Pitch the Podium because we've got a lot more interesting content coming up. And don't forget to check out a Circus F1 comic playlist. That one is an absolute delight, isn't it? It is, Samuel. Fantastic to another, uh, you know, look forward video review of the Formula One Pirelli Grand Premio della Toscana Ferrari 1000 2020. I had to do it once. You know, you did it five <laughs> times and I was under peer pressure to see if I, I sort of am able to read it as well as you do. But thanks yeah. so much. It was, it was nice to have you uh, on uh, Pits to Podium one more time. And guys, we will see you on Sunday with the post-race debrief of the Tuscan Grand Prix. Also, you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.